Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of Alchemy Answers. I am Donnie, also known as Elevated, joined, of course, by Jenkins. This is episode 11, and uh, now that we are into double digits, the questions better start getting a little bit better, just because, you know, we're trying to... Come on, guys. We're trying to really so step far. the game up here, and so far, all the questions have been absolute trash. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Way to like make our audience hate us in the first thirty seconds of this video. <laughs> in the last one, I turned everybody against Bowie. And yeah. that was... Dude, that was most of the comments under that video were like, <laughs> actually, it was people like taking different Poor sides. They're, they're like, wait, I actually really like Bowie, and then the other side of the conversation was like, Bowie sucks. And I was like, for the record, we actually really like Bowie in the comments. But then still, there was like forty more comments like disputing I, I whether Bowie's Bo good I, or not. <laughs> <laughs> I watched Bowie's stuff before he was part of Pugner. I had any association with him. I just watched his videos. It's a good breakdown. Anyway, shouldn't advertise another channel. He's <laughs> 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 not paying us for anything. Oh, whatever. All oh, right. Well, anyway, let's get into the questions. We've got some good ones today and some that I think will bring out some good discussions. So without further ado, the first one, this is... I th we've kind of talked about this before. At least I've talked about it on like Twitter and, and various other platforms. But ranked roles versus normal ranked. Which one do you think people should play and why? I mean, I wish more people played ranked roles. But uh, at, at high level Dota, it would take... It I mean, to get a couple of matches in a day, it would take you the entire day of queuing. So it's just not... Re if it was available to everybody, maybe it would work. Uh, I, I wish I wish people queued ranked roles because there's I mean I'm making a video about this literally right now it's like the unwritten rules of matchmaking and one of the unwritten rules is on you know like role selection like role selection is already embedded in the game it's just in those scenarios where people don't abide by the unwritten rules that you end up with just horrible horrible drafts and uh, everybody that's reasonable wants those rules to be written uh so you know having that be very literally written in code and uh enforced would be would be excellent uh but not enough people play it at the high levels of dota to make it reasonable unfortunately so i will ask the question since i have a slightly different perspective since i'm not an immortal player but soon soon you yeah, will be hopefully soon enough i'm on the climb again but uh here's the way that i look at it and this is from my experience of playing a lot of ranked roles during the battle pass. I haven't really played it at all since it was added to Dota Plus, but it should be exactly the same experience. Um, maybe with a slightly lower player pool, but maybe not. It might be even bigger. I'm not sure. Anyway, the way that I think it is, is that from about 1k to 3k, 4k, it gives you a really, really good structure that is normally not there because... I would say between those MMRs, people tend to be very, very selfish in how they think about the game, more so than at the higher levels. I mean, it's still there when you're at 5K and 6K, but... And I, think, I think I think you're totally right. Playing on Smurfs and stuff, people will just pick two carries and yeah. go the same way. Yeah, and that's the thing. is like people will just prioritize 100% what they want to play um, in at least at like 1K to 3K to 4K, something like that. And so I think that ranked roles forces people to actually draft a reasonably decent lineup. You know, their picks might not be that good, but at least they'll have like 
the roles covered. And so you have a better opportunity of having those jobs being done that need to be done in every single game. Now, once you get to like 4.5K or so, especially up into like the 5K range, not only does the queue time increase pretty dramatically, but you're going to end up in a situation where you have like a person who queued for mid that is literally like a thousand MMR lower than you. And the mid on the other team might be a thousand MMR higher than you. So you might have like a 2000 MMR discrepancy between the mid laners in a game. And that is just something that's really not fun to play with. Like I don't tend to think that there are unwinnable games, quote unquote, but in, in that kind of scenario where there's just such a massive skill difference, it's, it really is almost impossible to win those kind of games. Like no matter how much you help out your mid laner, who is 2000 MMR lower than the other mid laner, they're just not going to have the impact that they need to have to win the game. Well, yeah, I mean, it depends on the meta and and the roles and and mid is uh is is basically a pure one v one right now. Yeah. Uh, and a snowball role. So, if you uh have a a two thousand higher MMR player playing mid against some guy who's two thousand lower than him, he's going to not only win the lane but snowball and then not make mistakes because he has such an advantage that it's very hard to to make mistakes it might be different in a different meta or on di on, a, on a different role but for mid that sounds like a complete disaster yeah and so that's just what i would say is between if you are between 1000 and i cut it off at 1000 just because i don't know what the player pool is like below that i mean i suppose you could go zero to four thousand but i've i think it's crazy below 1000 i've yeah. i have a few friends that are like 1k like people <laughs> like learn, people are learning you know what like last hitting is and exactly stuff like so, part, so we'll just so we'll, total chaos arbitrary total range chaos. 1 thousand to four thousand play ranked roles after that just go to regular roles because people have like some sense that there needs to be supports and and offland carry mid etc yeah. and so you don't really need the role structure to actually ensure that that happens in your game most of the right. time yeah I, I agree most people have like i said the unwritten rules they're there and if you get like a top game, everybody will just pick whatever uh, whatever role is needed, you know. Right. Um, okay. Question number two: What do I do when my teammates are not communicating? How can we still win the game? Uh, there's a uh, okay. A couple of things here. Uh, if they're not communicating, that is okay. There's a lot of scenarios where only one or two people need to be communicating, and you can win the game. Uh, and I mean that in competitive too. If you take a team with like PPD on it back in, you know, the TI5 era, you'd probably hear PPD communicating a lot. And then, you know, Sumail like wouldn't say a single thing. And that's okay. It just depends on the structure of the team. And obviously pubs will uh will will work like that as well. Um, obviously not as well as that because you know it's a TI winning team, but uh it, it'll still work because people are people. So if, if you're communicating and they're listening, you can you, you don't need to worry about them not communicating. You can just do do your thing, call your spells. Maybe tell your team to take a few towers, and uh, and that's fine. However, if they are not communicating and they're not um, they're not respecting your communication either, like they're not doing you know what you say or listening to your calls or anything like that, then what I would basically recommend is there's two options. You can either play the game normally and just hope to God that they will eventually listen, and then that's kind of like a game that you're playing for learning purposes. Uh, and, uh, that's okay too. That, that's a slippery slope though, because you can kind of be like, oh, this would have been good, but my team wasn't there because they weren't listening. And sometimes, you know, like there's actually no way that they can get there. And then you won't realize that. And that it was actually a mistake on your part because you're using like the communication thing 
as an excuse. I get I'm saying a lot of stuff and there's like a lot of there's a lot of ways that you can take it. But what the, the number one thing that I would recommend basically in this scenario, if they absolutely will not listen to you and they won't communicate to you either, is to try to just take the resources that are available to you in the game. That is, if you have a silencer that has global silence and he is not allowing you to use his ultimate as a resource, he's not listening to you. When you say, I'm going to go in and then use global, you need to play around that just not being an available resource. Or you need to play around how you think he's going to use the spell, given that he's not communicating. Maybe he needs to get gone on. Maybe you need to bait him. Maybe you need to wait until a big fight starts and not really go for those small pickoffs, uh, expecting a global, a global silence. Uh, that, that's one thing that I've realized in the past few weeks uh, playing competitive again, is that different players and different teams will give you a different amount of resources on the map. Um, and that obviously goes for your teammates as well. There's a certain amount of stuff that you can do with a certain amount of people. And the best players will take everything that they can within reason. And that's what you want to focus on doing. So if you have people that aren't communicating, try to play as if that is the truth. Don't don't go feed because you're expecting them to do one thing and they're going to do another. For example, maybe play a split push style instead of a team fight style. Even if you think it's better to team fight if your team isn't looking to team fight. Just try to do whatever it is that you can in that game the best that you can possible, basically. And uh, if you lose doing that, well, what more can you do? You can't, you can't even be upset about losing like that because you did everything that you could, and that's, I mean, that's all you can do. Yep. And just to piggyback off of that, just because nobody else is communicating doesn't mean that you need to stop communicating. You are more than welcome to continue making calls. In most cases, that works out better because a lot of the time there's just noise in communication. People will just be like, oh, this game's hard and I need help and blah, 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 blah. And just like, there's just constant noise in games of people just talking about stuff that's completely well, irrelevant. Useless stuff, useless like, stuff. Like, hey guys, so-and-so has this ability or this item that's already been pinged out like six times. Like that kind of stuff happens so much. And so if you happen to be the only person communicating, just continue to do that. And if it seems like your team is just like um, not down with communication, then just keep it to very simple things. Guys, I'm going in now. And if they respond to that, then continue to do that. If they don't respond to it, like Jenkins said, just adapt to the situation. You know, like sometimes you're just in a game where people just refuse to listen to calls and then you just need to play the game differently. It's not like the game's unwinnable, but you have to just realize that saying I'm going in now, follow me is not going to work in this game. And then you just have to play differently. And you like Jenkins said, bait your teammates, become the counter initiator. Even if that's not your job in this game, like yeah. you can't be the one initiating if your team's not going to follow up. So you just have to do something different. Yeah. The, the best players will basically take the resources that are available to them in the game, no matter what. Uh, if you watch somebody like Fear play, he'll constantly try to communicate to people like their TI level players. And then when he realizes their capabilities, he'll act differently. And uh, obviously, Fear is one of the best players that has ever existed. So, you know, he's a pretty good he's a pretty good example of of how you should communicate. And uh, that's also something that if if you do that, if you just like try your hardest, and then if they don't uh, respond to what you're doing, dumb it down a little bit, and keep doing that, and maybe just ignore somebody if they're just absolutely not uh communicating that's a really good way to like absolve yourself of any feelings of 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 anger or anything like that in the game because it's like okay well i tried my absolute best the the game's not on you and i think that's a big thing because it, it sounds like you're frustrated uh that people aren't communicating to you 
And uh, the frustration that comes from that is arguably worse than the fact that the communication isn't happening because you are still very capable of winning the game. And uh, that's why if you watch somebody like Fear, he just never gets frustrated because he does that. He just absolves himself of any blame of the game by playing his absolute best. Yep. And when Jenkins says absolve yourself of any responsibility, it doesn't mean that you stop trying. It just means no, no, no. that like you just do, you just play your hero to the best of your capabilities and yeah. then you just yeah. kind of ignore the results of the game. Right, exactly, exactly. And then you, how can you, how can you even be upset about a game? You did your best. It's like right. you'll win the next one if it's just a more statistically likely game for you to win, you know, because you did so well. It's like yep. you can't be upset. Yeah. And okay, so this is actually a, a great segue into the next question, which is kind of a, a long and sort of emotional one, <laughs> emotionally charged question, which is basically oh, it's good emotions. Not not the uh, bad ones. It's pretty upset. Uh, oh, okay. So I'm not I'm not going to read the whole thing, but basically this guy just says. Why do you guys never talk about how rigged the game of Dota 2 oh, is? Oh, I saw that. I saw and that. And how there's so many boosters between 2 and 3K, and we don't have any experience playing against that. So, we, how would we know that the game is completely rigged? And why even bother playing Dota if there's such an unfair advantage in most of the games? Like, how do I how do I deal with the game being rigged? So, I think that this one is going to be pretty interesting to talk about. Okay, well, I, I think I responded to that along the lines of basically uh, there is a lot of negative stuff about Dota. Um, it's a very competitive game, which means that there's a lot of emotion involved. People really value, you know, like rank. And it, it, is, it is this like wonderful, beautiful, but also dangerous thing, Dota. Uh, it's... it's Basically, I I don't want to, and and I do sometimes. Like I I have I have uh, relapses where like I get upset in pubs and stuff like that. But I know if I'm in a good state of mind, if I'm in a very logical state of mind, all of my logic dictates to me that there is no reason to focus on the negative shit. Like you have to have the perspective of just this guy that's feeding. He's probably a decent guy. There's just a bunch of shit going on his on on in his life. You know. Uh, this booster, he had the wrong idea, bought an account, maybe he's feeling insecure. Like, any excuse that you can make to just make yourself feel better and more positive about the game, I think is worth it because, like I said, this game is so emotionally exhausting and it's it's so competitive and complicated that you need to... If, if, you're, if you're happy while you're playing, if you're actually enjoying yourself playing, if you're not playing angry, uh, you'll play... A lot better and focusing on all of that negative shit will just make you angry so basically to to sum up all of that jargon that i just said if you're happy you'll play better if you're fucking upset you'll play like shit and focusing on all of the rigged bullshit is what's going to get you upset and i say that as somebody who you know a week ago i was playing from my mother-in-law's which was great i loved i loved visiting it was absolutely awesome loved the little vacation that i got but the internet was really bad the setup was really bad um it was really stressful moving and i was reacting terribly in pubs i was losing confidence i was becoming apathetic in games i was getting in fights with people that were uh insulting me all of the worst shit so i say that as somebody that has these relapses because i know that like right now when i'm in this state of thinking logically and thinking positively that all of that shit is so terrible for winning the game 
um, that you basically just want to like get that out of your system in any way that you can. And uh, it will happen to you. You will feel this, uh, like you wrote, you wrote this comment, clearly it was emotionally charged, you were upset. That's fine. That happens. We're all human. But you want to get that out of your system as quickly as possible so you can go back to winning, basically. Um, and I, I think that's an important thing, too, is that, like, everybody's going to slip, and you just want to find a way to – and like I said, change your perspective on things. This guy that's feeding, he's probably just this or that or his life. You, you, do whatever you can to make excuses and try to put yourself to that happy place because you will play way better. You will learn way better. You, you will just feel way better. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that, 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 that's, that's basically it. I don't like focusing on the negative shit because – it's not it's not for the purpose of winning like you're not going to win by focusing on that shit but with that being said i do agree with you that there are boosters there are all of these things i just don't like to talk about it because we're all playing the same game we all have to deal with it so there's no point in focusing on it just it'll just make you angrier <laughs> yeah and so i mean i wanted to add a couple things because as soon as i read it i just you know the first thing is just like i i understand this motherfucker yeah, yeah. i understand <laughs> i understand the feelings of like frustration that comes with the game and with playing a game that feels unwinnable and really that feeling of being powerless to win a game because the person that you're playing against happens to literally be like 7k and playing against you yeah. like really does feel like bullshit but you think about it like and this is where perspective really really matters if you're playing dota you probably have invested, I don't know, several thousand hours into the game, regardless of what level you're at. Unless you're a brand new player, you probably have invested a large amount of time into this game. And that means that you've probably played between, I don't know, 2,000, 3,000, 5,000, 10,000 games over the course of your career. Man, my roommate's like, I don't know, 1.5K of MR, and uh, she has, or my, my ex-roommate, and she has like almost 1,000 hours, something like that in the game. Yeah, that happens all the Is time. That- and it's the, it's just such an investment. And the way to think about it is like if you play 10,000 games and you get 1% of them that have boosters, it's going to feel like a lot because 1% of 10,000 is what? Like 100 games? Is that math correct? <laughs> I don't know. I think I, I think that math is correct. So something like that. 100 games is a lot of games to just lose immediately because there's a booster in it. That sucks. That's 100 hours of time that you're losing because there's a booster in it. But there's also 9,900 games that there is no booster. <laughs> you're still doing the math. I'm still like, doing the math. Doesn't matter. Anyway, the point is, and like this is something that I learned kind of poorly but somewhat well through poker, is that if you get invested in every single hand, you will lose long term. If you are invested in the results of every single game, you are going to lose long term because you're going to be so attached to every single thing that possibly happens. And like Jenkins said, whatever is going on in your life is going to drastically affect how you interpret this. Because if you have a very small amount of time to play Dota, you only get to play like one game of Dota per day and you have a very stressful job and then you're playing Dota as like a relaxation thing. If that one game gets ruined, it's going to feel like the worst thing ever. But it's pretty shit. Like, and, and it it sucks, obviously. But you have to have that perspective because if you and this is this has happened to me when Jenkins was going through his 
losing streak and and being all stressed out i was also going on a big win or losing streak and i was super stressed out and i didn't feel good about playing the game and i would get somebody who would like give up at five minutes and intentionally feed and i would lose my shit and yell at them (laughs) during the pub and like and I'd make myself feel somewhat better by doing that, but then I'd feel worse about the fact that I in, lost in my shit. In the short term, yeah, it's like... And the same thing happened today to me, and I just didn't care, because today it didn't matter. Like, when I get upset because my teammates are feeding or I'm playing against somebody who's clearly a smurf and boosting, if I am in a decent mind state and I'm not, like, this game is my only source of happiness for the day then I'm going to be fine. Or Sorry, <laughs> if, if that is my mindset, this game is my only source of happiness for the day, and it is ruined by a booster or an intentional feeder or somebody giving up early, then I'm going to be really upset. But if I do other things or I feel like comfortable in the rest of my life and I don't feel like I have to win this game to be happy, then everything's going to be fine. Like It's, it's going to be like fuck man that was kind of dumb like i just wasted an hour but it's not going to be like i hate myself and i hate this game and i hate that person and that's a really really big difference that will make a large amount of difference in both your happiness in your life and in dota in general and so really what it comes down to is like be in touch with your motivation for playing the game and have an understanding that it is just one game of Dota, and you are likely going to play several hundred, several thousand more games of Dota. So that one game that was ruined, maybe it happens to you once or twice a month. Maybe it happens every week, depending on how much you're playing. It's going to happen. It's going to happen to everybody. It's going to happen to the other team when the booster's on your team. I was going to say, actually, that's one thing that helps me is that I think about it like, oh, that's the game that I was supposed to lose today. You know, that's that's the game that was unwinnable. I did well in it, so imagine how I'm going to do in these games that I'm destined to win, that I have a higher chance of winning. Because, you know, you'll get good teams, you'll get bad teams. Yep. So and, you, if, if, and if you think about it like that, it's just like, well, I mean, so statistically, I mean, Arteezy doesn't have a 100% win rate. Exactly. Yeah. That's the, the biggest guys, thing, is we all want to win every single game, but it's just statistically impossible. It's impossible. It's impossible. And, like... I get it. We all get it. We all want to win all of the games, but nobody does. And so if you can just accept that, you still want to try as hard as you possibly can in every game. Because if you can steal a couple of those games that were really hard to win, that's how your MMR goes up. (laughs) It's very simple. If you can just steal a couple of those games that are very hard to win, then your MMR goes up. Yeah. I mean, even if you can just do well in them, you can just think like, oh, wow, that was a really hard game. I must be really on point today. Yep. And then and then the games that are like 50-50, you'll win those cuz you played so well in the game that was like 30-70, you know, in terms of percentage chance to win to per- percentage chance to lose. So yeah, I think um <laughs> PMA, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that's like the, that's like the simplifying term for for all of this is just PMA, except not bullshit PMA like real real PMA. legit PMA. Uh, I would say, like, positive perspective. Maybe not positive attitude, because you'll feel like shit losing, but if you have a positive perspective, it's it's good. I, I don't know. I, I, th- I think the PMA thing is bullshit just because it, it sets people up to feel like they can't have these little 
meltdowns and stuff because some games will make you meltdown and yeah. you just have to get, you just have to get over it then you just uh, get or, up from your computer and you don't queue again you right do something you, need else. Do something like, <laughs> you need to do some like uh uh what's it called stress management stuff like yeah. anger management stuff as, as much as you can to just get over things it's funny because the the game that we're watching right now in the background of this is a game i played this morning against the techies and it was a game where i legitimately had to lead my team for 70 straight minutes and keep them from throwing the game on purpose because everybody was super tilted and i was just like very calm guys this is what we need to do now i bought like 40 centuries myself i bought a gem oh my myself God. i placed imagine, all the stuff imagine if you lost your shit in this game imagine well, this how game hard this game would have been over a hundred percent like there were so many times that my entire team died and i made it out because i made like a very good calm decision to leave the fight and it saved the game and we ended up winning the game hell yeah dude and like if i had lost my shit this game would have been over and the game is just about over in this replay so i just want to do one more quick question um, which is, what do you do when you're getting zoned out by a strong dual offlane as a carry? Um, well, I would recommend there's uh, a few options. Uh, option number one is you uh, go and hit the easy camp and then pull it into the wave and then do a pull through to the hard camp and just try to soak up as much experience as you can. Get the creep wave under the tower. If the camp is blocked, send out a sentry it's absolutely worth the 100 gold, especially because a lot of the time you will be dewarding a ward, which very literally gives you more than 100 gold and a bunch of experience too, and uh, allows you to pull, uh, which is excellent. Another thing that you can do is you can just go jungle if you're a strong jungling carry, like a Phantom Lancer, like a Terror Blade, uh, and then give a support the lane, and the support can just kind of get uh, get the experience. And uh, at a certain point, if you just are sitting in experience range, you are uh, you know, getting what what you can, maybe pulling the camp a little bit. What you can also do is make a lane rotation because a lot of the time I see carries, they just sit in the safe lane feeling like sorry for themselves, wondering why their support sucks. But really a lot of the time there's going to be one lane that gets really sacked. And if you can take that lane and make anything of it, it's going to result in a very, very easy game. So if you make a lane rotation, even to the mid lane, man, like you can rotate literally anywhere in the most unconventional way possible. You break down the laning phase, you force somebody to come to that lane, and all of a sudden you go top or you go bot, and then your offlaner swaps and takes that hard lane, which is not hard for them because they're huge, because if your lane is hard, then their lane probably wasn't hard. And essentially, you just break down the whole laning phase and say, fuck you guys for thinking this is going to be a free lane for you. I'm going to ruin this game for you right now. You can no longer lane here because I'm just going to rotate. Now you have to come and react to what I'm doing in Dota. So basically... The worst thing you can do is sit there and get zoned, do literally anything else on the map, and you're actually going to be forcing the enemy team to probably do something that they don't want to. It breaks down the game, and then you can go back to that lane or to another lane, have somebody take it, and then you're free farming again. It's actually uh, relatively easy. You, you just have to do something. And then if you lose, if you try to do something, well, at least you tried something, you know? Yep. Uh, I really don't have very much to add to that because that is pretty much 100% spot on. It's like uh, all the things that you can do, basically. Yeah, I, I know mean, this, dude, because I'm an offlane. Here's what people do to me whenever yeah, I'm zoning. If you are if you are getting owned in the lane, and I mean, really, this goes for any lane. If you're getting completely owned in the lane, look to do something somewhere else. Like, get some experience. Get to the point where you can make a play. If you're a mid laner that has a good level six, get that. If you're a void getting owned, get your chronosphere. If you're a jug, 
you have like six CS on a jug, but you're level six, you can go make a rotation, Omni slash somebody and probably get a kill. And then they're going to rotate four people in to try and save the hero that you're Omni slashing. And suddenly you can now TP back to the lane that you had before. And nobody's going to be there for at least like two minutes because they have to walk all the way back across the map. Or or have your your uh, support TP there, or like somebody else take it. Yeah, basically. and then just go to the jungle, and now all like of a sudden you have five heroes getting farm instead of just It's actually okay to have two cores in one lane if that's the only way that you're going to get farm on those cores. Like, you can sit in the jungle behind your offlaner, have your support take the lane, and you'll actually get way more farm than the enemy team doing that, as uh, because you're, you wouldn't be farming anyway, and then that lane is really strong because there's two cores in it. Yep. So if they ever leave, you take the tower, you kill it, you just stay there and you kill them. That's something you see very commonly in competitive games is a core will rotate to the lane, they'll just stay there. People will come back, they'll kill them again. And it's like, what is this guy still doing here? It's like, well, where else is he going to go? He wants to win the game. Yep. You know? So he's going to stay, kill you, get some free free gold, free farm, take the tower, instead of just sitting and getting zoned. Perfect. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to this 11th episode of Alchemy Answers. As always, let us know what you thought of the episode in the comment section below. Give us your own questions for the next episode. We'll keep these coming out. And... Uh, if you haven't already, check out the new content on DotaAlchemy.com because we've been putting up a bunch of new stuff with our new editor, and we think that it's really improving quality and quantity as well.